0: Arnold Rothstein was an American racketeer, crime boss, businessman, and gambler who became a kingpin of the Jewish mob in New York City. So-called kingpins like Rothstein will eventually bow to the King of Kings, who is Jesus Christ. Matthew, a first-century Jewish tax collector, wrote a gospel to the Jews to present Jesus, a rabbi from Nazareth, as the King of the Jews. Matthew offered convincing evidence that Jesus was indeed the long-awaited Jewish Messiah, possessing the proper lineage and all the rights to sit on King David's throne, plus the throne inside your heart. Who is your king? Matthew's Gospel invites us to answer that question. I'm Ron Jones, and this is Something Good.
1: The resurrection of Jesus Christ is the single most important event in human history, but how can we be sure it actually happened? Answers are straight ahead on this Friday edition of Something Good with Dr. Ron Jones. My name is Brian. Thanks for stopping by. Today we return to the Gospel of Matthew, an account that gives us compelling evidence that Jesus is the Messiah and that the resurrection did, in fact. Take place. Stay with us as Ron continues his teaching series, Route 66, the Ultimate Road Trip Through the Bible, or visit somethinggoodradio.org where you can listen to any of Ron's messages on demand. That's somethinggoodradio.org. And while you're there, check out Something Good Television, Something Good Courses, Something Good Travel, and the new Something Good Digital Library. That's where you can search for biblical answers to your questions from nearly 30 years of Ron's Bible teaching ministry. Now, here's Ron in part two of his message, Matthew, Who Is Your King?
0: And then he reveals something for the very first time in Holy Scripture, that he will build His church on the foundation of Peter's rock-solid response. He says, I will build my church. And the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Jesus didn't say, I will build your church. He didn't say, you will build my church. No, he says, I will build my church. He can do it with or without us. And he's been doing it for 2,000 years with or without his people. Just as he's been fulfilling the Old Testament messianic prophecies and God has been advancing his redemption story with or without the cooperation of his people. Throughout this part of the gospel, Jesus foretells his death and resurrection twice, He predicted his own death and resurrection, disturbing the disciples. They're scratching their heads, uh, trying to factor this into their understanding of Messiah. He also performs more miracles, teaches more parables, (laughs) and gently rebukes the mother of two disciples for expecting her sons to receive preferential treatment in the kingdom of God. I always smile when I read that that story about uh, the mother of James and John. Can 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 my kids sit at your right hand and at your left hand? And Jesus gently rebukes her. At the beginning of the Passover celebration in Jerusalem, now we're getting closer to the crucifixion and that whole story. King Jesus rides into the holy city on a donkey in fulfillment of Zechariah's prophecy, presenting himself as Israel's Messiah. This is Palm Sunday. Uh, The final week of Jesus' life, Matthew begins uh, this part of his life and ministry and story in chapter 21. The euphoric crowds shout, Hosanna to the Son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Hosanna means, Lord, save us. Save us now. And those shouts would soon turn to crucify him. Crucify him. Was it the same crowd? We don't really know. But whatever the case, uh, it was very quick, less than a week, uh, that Jesus was executed on a Roman cross between two thieves. Between his triumphal entry into Jerusalem and his crucifixion, Jesus experienced more confrontation with the religious leaders, including the time he cleansed the temple. I would have loved to have been there on that day. He's got a whip in his hand. He's overturning the tables of the money changers. That's the Jesus I like. Eh, The one frolicking in the fields with the lambs. Okay, I I get all of that. If you study the gospel accounts carefully, it it appears that he cleansed the temple at the beginning of his ministry and a second time uh, at the beginning of Holy Week. Uh, Matthew concludes this section by recording seven woes, uh, words of warning that Jesus delivered to the Pharisees, uh, calling them uh, whitewashed tombs and uh, phrases like that. Uh, Not exactly the way to win friends and influence people among the religious leaders of that day. And then we come to this fabulous section of Scripture In Matthew chapter 24 and 25, in one sense, uh, the the totality of it is unique to Matthew, that there are other aspects of uh, the signs and prophecies that Jesus made that you'll find in other Gospels, but early in the final week of Jesus' life, uh, let's just say somewhere Monday, Tuesday, maybe Wednesday, he gathered on the Mount of Olives with four of his disciples. Luke tells us it was Peter, James, John, and Andrew, the three insiders plus Peter's brother. And they had questions about the end of the age. And uh, Jesus answers their questions. Matthew records another major discourse. We call it the Olivet Discourse. I love to go to Jerusalem, and we go to the Mount of Olives, and we talk about end times. Because I would have loved to have been here for this conversation, just to be a little locust on an olive tree or something, just l- leaning in and listening to this conversation between Jesus and his disciples just days before his crucifixion. He predicts the following general signs will appear like birth pangs at the end of the age, false Christs, natural disasters, wars, persecution, pestilence, (laughs) we call them viruses today, Uh, apostasy, lawlessness, and the worldwide preaching of the gospel. Have we seen these general signs all you know, throughout the last 2,000 years? Yes, but Jesus says as it gets closer to the end of the age, they'll be like the birth pangs of a mother, increasing with intensity and frequency as we get closer and closer to the end. Then Jesus jumps uh, to the midpoint of the tribulation period, jumps kind of right over What we later learn in Scripture is the next event on God's prophetic calendar, which is the rapture of the church, jumps right over the first three and a half years of Jacob's trouble to the midpoint of the uh, uh, tribulation and reveals a specific sign to look for. He calls it the abomination that causes desolation. He's drawing from Daniel's prophecy in chapter 9 of Daniel, verses 24 to 27. And this prophecy describes when the Antichrist will desecrate the Jewish temple and unleash tribulation and peril on this earth. Well, Jesus describes it this way. Such as has not been from the beginning of the world until now, no, and never will be. Matthew refers to it as the great tribulation. Then Jesus predicts his own glorious return, but he reminds his disciples that nobody knows the day or the hour that the Son of Man will come, and that includes people today. Anybody who stands up there and starts setting dates and predicting, listen, Jesus said the angels don't know, I don't even know, only the Father knows, that time when he will turn to his Son and say, go get your bride. Uh, he uh, adds two parables to his prophetic teaching. Now we're in chapter 25. The parable of the ten virgins encourages readiness, while the parable of the talents encourages faithfulness. Stand ready, waiting for his return. Be faithful in what God has uh, entrusted to you. And the wide-ranging discourse ends with a sobering description of a judgment at uh, the end of the age when the Son of Man sits on his glorious throne separating the sheep from the goats. Until then, we, we, we live uh, with the sheep and the goats kind of together, and the wheat and the tares, kind of indistinguishable at times, but there will come a day when they're separated, and only Jesus will do that. Now we come to the last section of the book, which I, I labeled the king's rejection and triumph. Following Jesus' predictions about the end of the age, Matthew moves carefully through the arrest, the trial, the crucifixion, and resurrection of our Lord. Uh, He begins with Jesus predicting his passion again by saying to his disciples, you know that after two days the Passover is coming and the Son of Man will be delivered up to be crucified. Again, The disciples have a hard time factoring this into their understanding that he was a suffering servant first and a savior uh, before he was the reigning king of kings, even sitting on David's throne. Uh, Matthew follows with a description of the religious leaders conspiring against Jesus in what could only be described as political calculation. They say, hey, there are big crowds in, in Jerusalem now. We need to be careful with this guy. Uh, very politically calculating religious leaders they are. In Bethany at the home of Simon the leper, a woman anoints Jesus with an alabaster flask of expensive oil. Then Matthew records the Passover meal Jesus held with his disciples in the upper room, followed by the prayer meeting in Gethsemane. Uh, Judas arrives at the garden, I call it uh, late in the night, early in the morning, somewhere between midnight and 6 a.m, let's say. and uh, he betrays Jesus with a kiss, while the soldiers arrest Jesus and take him to Caiaphas, the high priest. Uh, Peter uh, Peter follows at a distance while all the other disciples scatter into the night. Uh, Jesus, or rather Peter, denies Jesus three times outside of Caiaphas's house before the rooster crows, just as Jesus predicted that he would.
1: Dr. Ron Jones will be right back with the second half of today's message. Matthew, who is your king? And remember, you can stop by somethinggoodradio.org anytime to find out more about the ministry, to ask our ministry team to pray for you, or to order selected resources from our online store. This media ministry is possible only through your faithful prayer and financial support. When you make a donation to Something Good Radio today, we'll say thank you by giving you access to a new resource that goes along with this current series, Route 66, The Ultimate Road Trip Through the Bible. It's an e-book from Dr. Ron Jones that covers the four Gospels and the Book of Acts. Request it today for your gift to Something Good Radio. Give online at somethinggoodradio.org or mail your gift to P.O. Box 6245 in Virginia Beach, Virginia 23456 or call our offices at 757-276-1099. Let's rejoin Ron for the rest of today's message. Matthew, who is your king?
0: Caiaphas sends Jesus to Pontius Pilate, the Roman official who presides over Jesus' trial. And the one who eventually ordered his crucifixion. At the request of the angry mob, you might remember the pilot releases Barabbas, a criminal, instead of Jesus. What might have looked like a good man falling victim to religious politics and mobocracy was actually the unfolding of the eternal plan of God to redeem lost sinners. Going back to the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus resolved to do his father's will and he shows remarkable restraint throughout the betrayal the arrest the trial and even his crucifixion at any moment he could have called the angels of heaven to stop it but he didn't it it looks like he got on the wrong side of religious politics but actually this was part of the eternal plan of god all the way back to the beginning Before they nailed Jesus to the cross, Roman soldiers ridiculed him. Matthew writes in chapter 27, and verse 28 and 29, "...and they stripped him and put a scarlet robe on him, twisting together a crown of thorns. They put it on his head." and put a reed in his right hand, and kneeling before him, they mocked him, saying, Hail, King of the Jews. Yes, the point of Matthew's gospel is that Jesus is everything they say he is by their mockery. Matthew is trying to present to his Jewish audience, This is your king. This is the king of the Jews. They mock him. And just, there's an irony in all of that. After spitting on him, they led Jesus away to be crucified, taking him to a place called Golgotha, which means a place of a skull. Now, Matthew records only one of seven cries that Jesus made from the cross. Around the ninth hour, he says, he cried out in loneliness, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? The moment Jesus died, Matthew tells us, four dramatic events happened that seemed to validate Jesus was indeed the king of the Jews. First, the thick veil of the temple tore in two from top to bottom. No human being could do that. That veil was thick. It took the hand of God to rip it from from heaven to earth. Second, an earthquake splits rocks and opens tombs, Matthew says. Third, dead saints raised to life and walk out of the tombs. After Jesus' resurrection, Matthew says, the resurrected saints appeared to many in the streets of Jerusalem. Uh, He's the only one to add this detail. But it's a reminder of um, uh, the fact that Jesus was the first fruits of our resurrection, the first fruits of many resurrections to come, My research indicates there are seven future resurrections, starting with the resurrection of Jesus Christ and uh, the resurrection of uh, these saints who kind of appear like the walking dead in the streets of Jerusalem. The fourth dramatic event involves a Roman centurion who observed what was happening and says, truly, this was the Son of God. Those four dramatic events that point to the fact that this, this is exactly who he claimed to be, and we're not even to the resurrection yet. They buried Jesus in a tomb given to him by a rich man named Joseph of Arimathea. Remembering that he said he would rise from the dead three days later, Pilate secures the tomb. It says, by sealing the stone, putting a Roman seal on it, and setting the guard. However, the grave could not hold him. Three days later, after the Sabbath, toward the dawn of the first week, chapter 28 says, Jesus rose from the dead just as he predicted, validating his messianic claim. Listen, this is the linchpin of Christianity. If the resurrection did not take place, if you can prove otherwise, which nobody has been able to do for 2,000 years, but if you could, we all just need to dismiss and go home if Jesus is not risen from the dead. The Roman centurion was right. Jesus was and is the Son of God. Matthew's account of the resurrection in chapter 28 uh, has women coming to the tomb first, and then they announce the good news to the disciples. Uh, uh, very unusual. Again, if that's not the way it happened, Matthew would have been a fool to write his gospel that way. he was trying to write a gospel, kind of some fake news, to jumpstart Christianity, the last thing you would do is to put women center stage because culturally women had little standing in the first century. And to put them in the story in this way added little credibility unless it actually happened that way. And that's why Matthew wrote it that way. When the chief priests learned all that had taken place, they bribed the soldiers To say the disciples stole the body, which was the first of many unproven theories attempting to discredit the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And there's been theory after theory after theory after theory for 2,000 years. None of them have held true. And although attack after attack after attack have come to not only Matthew's gospel, but Mark, Luke, and John, these gospels have stood the test of time And the story of Jesus' crucifixion and resurrection is historically accurate and reliable, no matter what uh, the naysayers might say. Matthew completes his gospel with Jesus, appearing to his disciples on a mountaintop, telling them to go and make disciples of all nations. They give their lives to fulfill what we call the Great Commission. Why? Why? Because Jesus is much more than a kingpin like Arnold Rothstein. (laughs) Now, he's not a kingpin. He's the king of the Jews. He's the king of kings. Hail the matchless king who is the Lord Jesus Christ. He is truly the king of the Jews and the savior of the world. Which brings me back to our question. Who is your king? Matthew would ask you, Who, after this presentation, is your king? Oh, have you made yourself a kingpin? You know, looking out for number one, because nobody else will unless you do. No, there's only one number one, and it's Jesus Christ. And here's the good news. He's been looking out for you. That's why he left heaven and came to earth and was on a mission to Rescue you and me from the power and the penalty of sin to fulfill the messianic prophecies as the son of God and the savior of the world he's been looking out for you so you don't have to and it's time to lay aside this kingpin status you've given yourself and say all hail the matchless king who is the Lord Jesus Christ, the King of the Jews, and the the King of kings, and the Savior of this world.
1: Thanks so much for being with us for today's Something Good radio message, Matthew. Who is your King? And Dr. Ron Jones joins me in studio now. And Ron, one of the things I'm reminded of in the Gospel of Matthew, one of many, is that there are so many things that point to the reality of the resurrection. What are some of your additional thoughts on this subject? You know, Brian, there
0: is plenty of verifiable evidence that supports the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Perhaps the most compelling is Old Testament prophecy, predictions written long before Jesus was born. Uh, The honest person doesn't dispute this. And then you have Christ's own words. Uh, I'm talking about the way Jesus predicted his own death and resurrection. But I want to mention another reason, one that often goes unnoticed. According to tradition, each of the disciples, except Judas, died as a martyr for their faith in christ now throughout history many have died for something they believe to be true but but no one at least no one i've ever heard about has ever died for something that he or she knew was false if the whole thing about jesus and his crucifixion and resurrection was a hoax the disciples would have known it and there is no way they would lay down their lives for a hoax Uh, Let me close quickly with one final thought. There is far more proof supporting Christianity than any other belief system or faith. Uh, There's not even a close second. There are reams of evidence to support the accuracy of God's Word, both the Old and New Testament, the virgin birth, the crucifixion, the resurrection, all of it. And that's what is so wonderful about the grace of God. He gives us knowledge of himself from the very start, and uh, then if we reject it, He gives us irrefutable proof of himself in creation in general and then in vast amounts of research that prove everything he says about himself is true. That is his mercy at work, and I challenge anyone who has rejected God on mere intellectual grounds to pursue the claims of Christ and the claims of the Bible uh, with persistence and an open, honest heart and mind, because if you do that and do it honestly Um, it'll change your mind and change your heart. The lie Satan has tried to perpetuate on the human race is that it takes too much faith to believe God exists. But the truth is it takes far more faith to believe he doesn't exist and that everything around us is just an accident
1: of chance plus time. That's Dr. Ron Jones with some final thoughts on the reality of the resurrection and the gospel according to Matthew. Now, before we leave for the weekend, tell us what's coming our way Monday as you continue your teaching series, Route 66, The Ultimate Road Trip Through the Bible.
0: Brian, I'm sure you've heard the expression, Your actions speak so loudly, I can't hear what you say. That's just a fancy way of saying actions speak louder than words, right? Well, coming up next time, uh, I'm in the book of Mark, Mark's Gospel. Now, it's the shortest of the four Gospels, and that's because Mark focuses primarily on the works of Jesus to validate his messianic claim. So Mark doesn't include long teachings like the Sermon on the Mount, and uh, he includes only an abbreviated version of the Olivet Discourse. What he does instead is to tell us what Jesus did and how he lived. Brian, I'm really looking forward to this next stop on the ultimate road trip through the Bible.
1: And I hope everybody listening will join us. That's Monday when Dr. Ron Jones shares his message. Mark, he came to serve. Join us then for Something Good. And for Ron and the entire team here at Something Good Radio, I'm Brian Davis saying God bless and thanks for listening.